Quick show of hands. Who likes donuts? Who likes beer? Who likes pain? No, not so much. You'd think running those two things into a business would be easy. You want to hear about True Grit? Meet my next guest, Shelly Pippen of Brew Nuts, next. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. So I think there is no greater job, no greater purpose, perhaps, than doing something you love, doing something you like. And my guest today, I think, takes that to a whole new level. She is the co-owner, co-founder of Brew Nuts. That's a place in Cleveland, Ohio, that makes, sells beer and donuts, thus Brew Nuts. My only disappointment here, Shelly, is that that these Zoom meetings don't allow for samples. So, I know, right? This is the, <laughs> the best part. We don't even have it in front of us. Welcome to Shelly Pippen. Thank you for joining us and being a guest on A Dash of Grit. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to hear about your success. I, I've, I've been by the location. I've not been able to stop in. Next time I will have to do so. Um, but I thought, let's just go ahead and, and, and get right in. I want to talk about success. Tell me what's great, what's happening well. Uh, what are you really proud of with Brunettes? So um, it's funny. I, I don't take a lot of time to think it through that lens, which so it's kind of fun I when I was thinking like, oh, what are the things we should really celebrate. We're in a time where we need to celebrate. Boy, that's <laughs> I feel for sure. like 2020 has been such a challenge that anything we can celebrate is, is great. So it was good to kind of reflect on this. Um, right now, what I'm celebrating, what feels like a huge success right now is that we've managed to stay open for nine months of a pandemic. Mm. We've managed mm. to be nimble and to kind of change our business model during the nine months and still manage to be successful uh, in this model that we're working in right now. So that feels like a current success, a current um, achievement that you can't plan for. You just got to figure it out on the fly. And so I'm, I'm glad that we've managed to do that. I think we might get to that. And I, I'm wondering yeah. too, can can you also talk to me about the fact that 13 years ago, there was no brew nuts and now there is like, what, what's, what do people love about brew nuts? What's the success story there? Yeah. I mean, I think part of our success and so, okay. So a little bit on the, you know, where have we been recognized? How has this thing sort of evolved? So yeah. we started in, um, gosh, 2013 out of our condo, my husband and I. And then since then, we've taken different iterations to get our business into the flagship location that it is now. And we are truly a donut bar. You come in, it's a donut shop, but it's also a bar, 16 taps of beer. So yeah, it's it's party. Um, but it, what people love about it, I think, is that it's a, a truly unique concept. It's something that they don't get the chance to experience anywhere else. And also for our Clevelanders, I think what they love about it and what they sort of hang their hat on, you know, Clevelanders are extremely loyal. We like to have reasons to sort of um, tout our city and our businesses and our sports teams. And so the fact that we're such a destination location where people can have visitors come into town and go, oh, let me take you to this cool place. You don't have anything like this in your in your town. So I think that's one of the the things that our customers really enjoy is that we're really unique. We're constantly changing things and reinventing. And I think that's been recognized on a, a national scale as well. I mean, we've we've been lucky enough to be recognized by the New York Post, CNN Travel, USA Today, Travel and Leisure. So some pretty big publications have taken notice of, of Little Brunettes in Cleveland, Ohio as well. 
Yeah, see, and that's that's so great. One of the things that I've learned from doing this show is that successful people don't always focus just on that success. They 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 focus on the day to day or what I what did I accomplish today. Totally. Congratulations to Thanks. you. Because you know what, so many people out there want that, and and you're accomplishing it. So well done. Thanks. Yeah, I think the the, the trick is not to focus on trying to get picked up in publications and news outlets. <laughs> it's you focus on how can you really surprise and delight every single person that comes through your doors. And if you're doing that, that all that other stuff just flows. Boy, that's just so true. And it's so hard to do sometimes when all these challenges hit you so hard, like a fire and things of that sort. So um, for sure. So let's talk about some of those challenges. Let's get our hands dirty. Talk about grit. That's what this show is all about. Yeah. Talk to me about some challenges. And I'm, I'm sure there were plenty. Pick some big ones that you had to overcome that, that caused you to lose some sleep as you were building this business. You know, I always joke that if there was a hardest way to build a business, that's the one John, my, my husband and partner and I chose Yeah, like at every turn, um, we did this the hardest way possible. And I, I would be curious to know if other business owners feel that way. I would imagine oh, they do. Oh, they do. <laughs> but, Trust um, me. yeah, so we started this business as a side project. We were both in other careers. We started it out of our, you know, 750 square foot condo in downtown Cleveland. One night I sat up in bed and said, what if we made beer donuts? We went out to Target and bought a countertop fryer the next day, watched a ton of YouTube videos and started trying to figure out how to make our own recipes and our own our own business, really. But the idea behind that was it would be a, a side project for him and I to do something that we could have fun with together. The, the idea was really never that this was going to parlay into a career. Right. I was a corporate consultant. He was in accounting. We both were pretty, uh, you know, I wouldn't say set, but fairly established in our careers at that time. So I think the challenge, some of the biggest challenges when I really reflect on the entire journey, we were really strategic in how we built this business. We took small steps, but consistent steps. We didn't just take one big, huge leap from one thing to the next. And so, you know, what we did was things like, stay in our career while we opened a pop-up shop, which meant every single night, um, you know, we'd be prepping ingredients for donut dough at 11 o'clock at night and making dough and letting it rise and then getting up at three o'clock in the morning and then opening this pop-up shop for a few hours to sell donuts. And luckily we had flexible careers and then we would go to our career all day. And I mean, it was a 24 hour cycle for one year that we did that. You know, that was certainly one challenge. So neither of your careers were making donuts or making beer, and yet you went into this knowing that. Yeah, I mean, neither one of us had experience in the hospitality industry short of enjoying restaurants and bars and, you know, a college job working in a bar or whatever, something like that. So we didn't have hospitality experience. Uh, Neither one of us really had small business experience. We both (laughs) were working in corporate jobs. So yeah, it was very foreign concept at the time. It wasn't something where we had a lot of uh, background to pull on. So yeah, I think our the way we launched our business was, I would say, intentional. And so with that intentionality, there was a real grind to how we started it. 
you know, we 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 didn't just want to go into a brick and mortar without the confidence that we had stress tested this concept and people were really excited about it. So we started in 2013, we did markets, we did pop-up shops, and we did this all, like I said, while we were in our careers. And it was really working two full-time jobs at the same time. We took two different 10-week business incubator courses to really build a business plan, have to get up and pitch this idea every single week in this class and make it feel like a real thing. So that was sort of in the very early days. And then in 2015, we kind of wrapped up our one-year pop-up shop that I was explaining before. And at that time, we had to decide, like, you're either going to jump all in and get wet or you're going to just keep, like, dipping your toe in the water. And so we both quit our careers. I cashed in my 401k that I've been building for 10 years. And that was sort of, we had a plan. We have this much money before this business needs to be open and cash flowing. Okay. And so in order to do that, we were looking for a site, for site selection for our flagship because we knew from the jump, we don't want to be a mom and pop donut shop. We want to be a donut bar. We want to be something unlike anything else. We want to be a destination. So we knew we needed a location that could really support that um, bar and donut shop aspect. We knew we wanted foot traffic. We knew we wanted high visibility. So we went on the hunt for the location. During that same time, we were catering a lot of events, wholesaling product to to folks, doing, you know, farmers markets, things like that. But, you know, we had this amount of cash that was dwindling in terms of to live on. Yes. And then my background being in marketing, I was a corporate consultant and marketer. So I really took it upon myself to find every single dollar available to us through things like grants, loans, crowdsourcing, crowdfunding campaigns. So during that time, I did a Kickstarter campaign and we raised $30,000 as capital to get started with our build out. Okay. We did a ton of business grant competitions where I'd have to, you know, get up on a stage and pitch the business and and try to win people over to win to win funding. So we ultimately cobbled together a good amount of money, but when you're when you're building a restaurant from scratch, what sounds like a good amount of money is, is not nearly enough. It's never enough. <laughs> so, was, there, was there ever a time when when it just felt like something you just weren't going to be able to pull off? Like there was somebody in your other side of your voice saying, you know what, this just isn't worth it. No. It could fail. No, no. But tell me about that because it sounds really hard. It was really hard, but I think when you have an idea you can't stop thinking about good for you and you've taken that big of a risk to say screw this i'm i'm quitting my my very cushy job i mean i'm not going to lie i was in a really i was in a really nice career and you know john and i don't have children we were we were not married at the time we were two fairly young single people doing you know just fine in our career so by the time we took that leap um no, I wasn't scared of it not working. I knew it would work because I had like dogged determination. That didn't scare me. I knew I would cobble together every dollar there was to find out there. I knew I could market the pants off of it if I could just be given the platform to do so. Where the biggest hurdle and challenges where I think I actually had my, my I really think there's only one and only time in the entire Brunettes process where I said, Oh my God, this, this might not, this might not happen. This might not work. And this was, was so we found our location where we're currently located. So we're on the corner of 65th and Detroit and the Gordon square neighborhood of Cleveland, which if you're familiar with the area, it's about 
five minutes out of downtown proper. Yeah. At last that I was told, it's the busiest intersection in the city of Cleveland. So we're on the corner of one of the busiest intersections in Cleveland. When we found the location, we knew those things it had going for it. What it did not have going for it is that it's over 100 years old, this building. At one point, it had been a bank. It had been a corner store. It had been um, a councilman's office, but it had never been a food establishment. Okay. So in terms of build out, I think our naivete <laughs> was in our corner. Now I can say that at the yeah. time, now, but I would also give the advice, never pick a location that's never been a food restaurant to start your food restaurant or to start your <laughs> restaurant. So we had to unearth this space, a hundred years of what it had been. We had to retrofit it to be able to be a food safe space. And we were working with, so actually our local, I guess you, it's kind of like our CDB. It's the Detroit Shoreway Community Development Organization. They own the building. So we are, we are a renter. And at the time, you know, they kind of courted us into the space. We loved the visibility. And then we got into it and we realized, oh my gosh, this, this is going to be a really huge project, which, okay, we, we had, you know, like I said, cobbled our funding together. We'd gotten some traditional financing as well from a bank that we were going to use to do the build out. At the time, the organization was being run a little differently than it is now. And I don't feel that we really got as much uh, support as we thought we were going to uh, by coming into the neighborhood. And on top of that, we had little experience with selecting contractors. And so we got into a really um, crappy <laughs> relationship with a general contractor that you know just never prioritized the project, did poor craftsmanship. So it became an ongoing project of two years to get this space open. Now imagine you've quit your job, you've cashed in your 401k, you have a dwindling pool of money to live on, your business needs to cash flow, and your build out that was supposed to take six months turns into 24 months and you're paying rent to someone who owns the building but isn't helping you update the building. Oh boy. So that's kind of where we were. And the the date just kept being pushed back further and further to get open. The marketer in me knows how difficult it is to hold people's interest in general. Right. Now you have a brand and a business that you established in 2013 got a lot of people really excited about. And then you basically said, hey, we're going to put it on hold for two years. Will you guys just stay with us while we put it on hold? But I promise we're going to get it open. It's going to be great. So we really had to come up with ways to keep people entertained and excited and interested in the two-year build-out. And so that was a challenge. I'm interested, Shelly, if you'll pause quickly. Yeah. I want to know what you did about it. Yeah. But I'm mostly concerned right now with how that made you feel because so many business owners out there are, are in a certain spot right now where sure. they don't quite know what to do next. That had to frighten you that this plan that you'd put all of the things together for was starting to unravel out of things that you just didn't have a lot of control in. Right. How did that make you feel? Really pissed. <laughs> mm, not afraid, but just mad. I was afraid as well. There, it, it, it would it would go back. I would say it's a 50-50. Yeah. It'd go back and forth between the two. I was really mad because I don't default to my gender in any way, shape, or form when it comes to claiming our success or claiming our failures. But I was very aware throughout the build-out process that I was not being taken seriously by many of the male-dominated fields that I was working with. Yep. I was pissed. They would defer to my husband in all of our meetings, yet 
if you asked my husband and you ask anyone that knows brunettes, he's going to say, she drives, let her tell you where we're going and what we're doing in terms of the, of the direction for how we want to design the space. What's the menu going to be? What's our business plan? You know, I drive those things. And so to be dismissed and never prioritized by people you're paying money to, to have them come in the room and say they can't remember your name and, and, and th things that are very condescending for someone when you're entrusting them to help you build this thing as a partner. And it was a really challenging experience for me to go through that. So I would go back and forth between feeling really pissed because I thought that that was just ridiculous and um, not that you do business. And then being really frightened, frightened that um, other people's inability to follow through would could could potentially derail us. Yeah, it was out of your control and you couldn't yeah. get it back into control, which sounds, I'll go ahead and help you answer the question again. You were probably 80 to 90% mad and just yeah. a little bit frightened that you couldn't do anything about it. And we had worked so incredibly hard just to get to that point. Like yeah. I was saying, just such a long period of sleeplessness. I mean, honestly, we would work 20 hour days. I mean, we would do these crazy, crazy hours and we didn't do it for a small amount of time. I mean, we'd been doing it at that point for three or four years. So to feel like you're finally on the cusp of building the thing and, you know, we were renting kitchen space all over the place to have our own kitchen would have been huge to have a place that we could tell our customers, you can walk through these doors and experience this here instead of coming to a little farmer's market and getting, you know, this really ad hoc version of what it is we plan to do. So, you know, it was just so frustrating because it wasn't like we were new to working hard. So I was more than happy to keep busting my butt, but it just was like, Hey, you throw me a bone, like show me that you're in the game with me here. So I was really angry. <laughs> so a lot of folks, when those, when those unexpected hurdles come in, they see that as a sign and, and rightfully so at times. And they, they stop. You got mad, knew what you had and went forward. And I, yeah. and I think, I think I think you probably learned something from that. I'm, I'm interested in what you learned from that and also what you did to, to move past it and get to the, to the next phase. So, I mean, what I learned or maybe what it just crystallized for me was that like nobody was going to control our, our destiny on this project. And I Good think that it's extremely important to um, have have a plan of where you want to go, a destination you want to arrive at, but you need to be extremely flexible in how you get there. So for us, that was like, we would host these days at our shop, which was under construction and looked like hell. <laughs> we would say, well, you can come on in and take a look at the construction. And we pre-made all these donuts and they're already boxed up. So we'd be happy to sell you a half dozen donuts. You can take it out the door and we'll do a little tour of the space for you so you can see what it looks like. Um, yeah, we'd be happy to drive around on Christmas morning to 50 Clevelanders homes and deliver you donuts, wearing our Santa hats, shaking jingle bells to deliver you fresh donuts on Christmas morning, because mm. we know that that's something that would delight people. And it was a way to stay top of mind and, and control, uh, control the controllables we could and do things to keep us still viable, to make us feel purposeful. Um, I, I mean, I think when people get demoralized, like you were saying, and they take that as a sign to stop. The most important thing is to just take whatever next step you can. And that can be as small as saying, man, I could deliver donuts to 10 people. 
if they would, if I could get 10 people to say they'd like a dozen donuts to pop up at their office this Friday and they're going to give me 25 bucks. Well, that's great. Go Whatever do that. it takes. Whatever it takes. I mean, every small little thing builds your business, builds your backbone, builds your character to say, okay, like I've, I've done this every which way. Like there's nothing you can throw at me right now that I haven't found, you know, a way to try to adapt to. And so you got open and you're doing your thing. Was it easy sailing from there? Not easy, but but uh, was it okay from there? And, and, and kind of what's next? What's on the horizon for you guys? So we we got open and, and I will say we had done a really good job of keeping the folks that were following us. So we, we're extremely active on social media. That's the only type of marketing and advertising that we do. We had built a following. So we opened our location in 2017, obtained it in 2015, and started the business in 2013. So by the time those doors opened in 2017, we had already been building a relationship with people for four years. Yes. When we opened, the thing that was so cool was that it was like old friends. People already knew who we were. They already knew what this business was. Now they were just so excited to come see how are we really going to do the damn thing because we kept saying we were going to do it. So it was, I would say, smooth sailing in the sense that it wasn't like we were sitting there looking at our watches going, man, do you think anyone's going to come in today? I mean, we had folks lining up around the block, you know, from day one. And those challenges then were, oh my God, how do we, how do we meet this demand? How do we adapt to this? Because now, you know, we were used to having controlled environments where we provide a certain amount of product and okay, there we go. We're at the market. Now we're done. And so this was, holy crap, there's a line of people down the block. We open at eight o'clock in the morning and we stay open till midnight. That means we have to find a way to just crank this machine all day and meet this demand. So we opened to fanfare, which was amazing, but it was also like another quick, oh my God moment, figure it out. Yeah. Like we just sold a ton of stuff. Oh no. Are we going to deliver a ton of stuff? Yeah. We got to wake up and do this all over again tomorrow too. Oh my God. Okay. So that was, yeah, that was once we got open, kind of how it flowed. And then, um, you know, you had sort of asked what's next or, or where do we go from here? I mean, so we've been operating in our pandemic mode for the past nine months at our business. We never, we have never closed during that time. I mean, we just transitioned to a carry out only model and um, have been getting creative about doing things in a carry out way. Um, a big part of our business is the experience that you get there. So that's been a little interesting. That's been a little challenging. We've had to figure out how do we still infuse that experience in a carry out model? How do we come up with fun, exciting things that still show our our customers that we are still that place that does wild and fun and creative things all the time, but we can't host you in the way we could before. So that's some of the challenges and hurdles that we're working on now. But, you know, I, I think those are the times that we really shine because this has always sort of been a business born of, um, I guess, in, like needing to rise to the occasion and, and, you know, they well, intended or unintended. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you have to, um, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And I absolutely believe that. And that absolutely has been true for us over and over again. So recently I've been talking with a lot of people who see this COVID thing as a real hurdle. And it is, especially for businesses and and businesses like yours that are dramatically affected. And I I think a lot of, if, if you were made of a different mindset, I think I would ask you, what are you afraid of? 
mm-hmm. that comes because it could be significant. But I think I'd rather know what advice would you give to a struggling business? Because I know, I can already tell from meeting you now, you're figuring out some way to overcome this and to move forward in a positive direction. What would you tell those folks that are maybe thinking about the same things? I mean, I think it's it's two things that are constantly in the forefront of my mind. One is being your own cheerleader, being your own best friend and saying like, go back in your mind and think of everything you've had to go through to get your business to where it is today. Whether you're still early in the game or you're you're further along, and are you really willing to say all of that is not worth the discomfort of becoming more creative and flexible now? To me, that answer is always no. So I'm not willing to say that all of the hard work and good things and joy that we've brought people is ready to be done and go by the wayside now because of COVID because I'm not willing to think more creatively or become more flexible with how I think about my business model. So that's the one part, getting your head set, you know, getting your head set, getting your mindset straight about, you know, how important is your business to you? Because if someone is really, really struggling and it was a business that they were considering, you know, being done with anyway, this may be a blessing in disguise for some folks. Right. If that is not where you're at, then I think you need to sort of set your head and say, okay, I've done some really hard things before. Time to to dust myself off and remember what those startup days were like, because there's a lot of similarities. Yes. So, you know, I think about when we were starting up, I I was, I mentioned a Kickstarter campaign. We did a a fundraising campaign, crowd raising, you know, to, to raise capital. And When COVID hit, I said to John, like, okay, what are some really creative things we could do to just get a quick influx of cash? Because we know that we're going to be down way in sales because of all this. What other things can we do? We're not just a donut shop. We can do other things. So we partnered up with a local clothing company and made some really great, cool, collaborative merchandise. And we made it all available, but only for pre-order. I'm not going to sit on, I'm not going to spend all this money to order all this merchandise and then go, oh my gosh, now I'm deeper in the hole. No, let's be creative. Okay. Everybody's got to pre-order everything. And it can be a quick shot of, you know, capital to get us through another week. And then, you know, each week challenging myself to come up with something, you know, last night we did a savory option at our restaurant where we did donut breaded mac and cheese and people came and got macaroni and cheese donuts and took them to go and, you know, we sold them out in an hour. And so of course there's macaroni and cheese in it. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 so I think it's that right. Thinking creatively, thinking outside the box and also wanting to fight hard enough for your business that you're willing to do some things that maybe put you in an uncomfortable position is really what is sort of all. If you're not uncomfortable and you're running a business, I don't know if you're doing it the right way. (laughs) Boy, that's for sure. Good advice. Was that, was that both of your points or did you have another? Yeah, I mean, I think just the creativity to come up with, you know, new revenue streams and new channels that you haven't considered. And, and again, if you feel this way, everyone probably feels this way. So reach out to your business community. We've done so many partnerships and collaborations during this time because there's more appeal and allure for us a lot of times when we can say, hey, we pulled in one or two other extremely interesting local businesses that we know you guys are already a fan of. Now we're doing something really great together. Can't miss it. So I think if you're feeling that way, other folks are feeling that way, put those minds around it, uh, a Zoom call, 
and see if there's ways that you can find new revenue streams or at least just generate that top of mind interest from your consumer base because people need these distractions right now. They need to see a little joy right now. And I think wholeheartedly that those of us in the hospitality industry play an integral role in finding ways to do that for people. So I often start the problem with saying, well, how can we make people more joyful? How can we make people more excited to be here? How can we provide more happiness? And whenever we sort of develop ideas around that, you know, they're usually a slam dunk. Wonderful. Shelly, there are so many people out there right now I know that just love this message and needed to hear this message and will be inspired by this message and by you. I can't thank you enough. I could talk to you all day, I think, because this is inspiring to me, but I know someone needs to make the donuts and brew here. <laughs> yes. So. I had a th- I had a 3 a.m. wake up call today. So you're you're getting me on the tail end of my day right now. I remember the old commercials. I think they were Duncan. I'm not sure yeah, if somebody wait, somebody's gotta make the donuts. Yeah. Yep. So I think of that. That's right. so. So thank you so much for your time. And and if you are have been inspired to others and, and maybe someone just knows, you know, wants to know more about your product, how sure. would they reach out to you? How would they contact you? Yeah. So the best way to find us, um, as I mentioned, we're super active on social media. Um, we're just at Brunuts on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Our website is brunuts.com. Uh, and then you can just email us from there. So lots of ways to find us. Perfect. And thank you so much for being on our show. I hope people do find you. And of course, they can come in and sample as well. And that'll be my first way. And, uh, and uh, hopefully on the night that I come, they'll have the macaroni and cheese options. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well. We're going to do a reboot. So thank you very much for being on the show. I do want to do a quick, uh, quick ad for us here at Spire. Dash of Grid is brought to you by all of us. We are a marketing company that wants to be a part of your team towards success. And uh, we're responsible for the good and accountable for the bad. And I think that that last part is kind of what separates us. And so if you're looking for someone on your team to try to uh, accomplish those things, uh, please reach out. I'm at spiread.com or you can find me direct on email at uh, Brian at spiread.com. I'm Brian Lefflock, Director of Sales with Spire Advertising. Again, thank you to Shelly Pippen, a co-owner, co-founder of Brewnuts in Cleveland. Thank you. Dash of Grit is available every week and we will do it again. Thank you very much for listening. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. 